welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. All right. Well, we've had a bunch of snow. My contractor called me. He said he wanted to start working on the cabin early this winter, and I said, good luck in getting in there, and he spent the last (laughs) two days digging out. We literally have uh, piles of snow about 10 feet high where we're trying to make turnaround spots to get in to work on my summer home. He wants to get it finished so I can go sailing this summer because he's going to be one of my companions. He's an old friend, and he'll probably join me sailing, so he wants to make sure the, uh, the summer home is finished before we go sailing. I got a new Patreon, Bonnie. Thank you, Bonnie, for the $5 pledge. She and I exchanged a couple emails, and she said she took my ASA courses and helped her pass them, and she used some of my tips for Croatia sailing last May when apparently they chartered a boat in Croatia. (laughs) But she said something that I thought was funny. She said, also, not likely your, your ideal market use, but I find your podcast is perfect for when my mind is racing too much to sleep. Brings me back to the relaxing memories of sailing in the Mediterranean. Funny, but there's a fairly big market for sleepy podcasts, but most of them are too weird for me. Thank you, Bonnie. I never thought that my voice would tend to put people to sleep. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Anyway, if you want to support the podcast, please consider going to patreon.com forward slash medsailor and look at the rewards and see if there's something there that you'd be interested in. Also, if you want to sign up for my email list, I'll give you eight of the first eight of the 16 lessons for the first series of audio lessons to learn to sail the sailing, learn to sail basic keelboat certification for the ASA 101 exam. That's about half the course. With that out of the way, let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. This show is sponsored in part by Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping self-sufficient sailors with tools, supplies, and knowledge they need to sew for their boats. This second-generation family business is also the maker of the Sailrite UltraFeed sewing machine. The UltraFeed is a portable, heavy-duty sewing machine that was designed to handle all your maritime sewing projects from sails to covers. At Sailrite, you'll find everything you need to take on your next do-it-yourself project, including fabric, tools, hardware, and even hundreds of free how-to video tutorials. Start your next project at Sailrite.com. That's S-A-I-L-R-I-T-E dot com. Well, today we're actually going to be interviewing Matt Grant with Sailrite, so let me get him on the phone. I'm on the phone with Matt Grant. This is the second time I've talked to you, Matt. We had you on a couple of years ago and uh, had a lot of positive comments on the interview. And I think you were actually on several podcasts back then. I know you were on 59 North at the time and a couple others. Uh, I reached out to you earlier. Well, actually, it was last year. And I said, would you consider sponsoring the podcast? And I said, regardless of whether you decide to sponsor the podcast, I want to get you back on for an interview and not only am I having you on for an interview, you actually are. Your company is actually one of the sponsors of the of the podcast. Actually, the only main sponsor right now. So, Sailrite, I really appreciate you guys. 
that's that's uh, great news. Uh, uh, as you know, Chris uh, uh, Manduka runs our advertising department here, so he, he keeps me out of much of that. So I guess I'll I'll say kudos to him uh, uh, for for getting us uh, uh, more connected with uh, uh, with what you do. And I want to thank you for uh, having me on for another another session. I enjoyed it last time we talked. Yeah, I've I've followed your company. I think I was around early on because. I was a dreamer of a, of being a sailor long before I was ever a sailor, and I read every book. And I remember reading some cruising magazines way back when, and your company had some small ads at the back of it uh, about putting together kits for sail making. And it's one of those things I explored. I never, you know, of course, I didn't even have a boat to build sails for at the time, but it was just one of those things I thought, well, that's cool. If I want to save money, I can build my own sails. But I never went down that path. I decided sails were more than I wanted to take on. But I was, uh, it was funny because last couple years ago, I was on my boat in the Mediterranean and I was, I had Wi-Fi access and I just decided, you know, I needed new sails for my boat. And I just did a Google search on my sail dimensions because I wasn't exactly sure what they were. And lo and behold, Google took me to your site which actually had the sail plans and the measurements of the J and the length overall and length waterline and all the all the all the measurements that I would need to to build my sails. So I was surprised that you had those dimensions at your website and available to me to to to, to find easily. It was great. Yeah, you, you know what? Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. But uh, uh, that's an area that is uh, is uh, a passion of mine is the the data that we have on on boats and. The best way to find your boat um, doing a Google, Google search is to uh, uh, put the name of the boat and then behind it put sail data. So if you did, uh, uh, you know, Catalina 30 uh, standard and then sail data behind it for the Catalina 30 standard rig, you should find our link there. Or easier yet, go to sailright.com and just type Catalina 30 in our search box. But uh, uh, the reason I'm glad you brought that up is that uh, the transfer of data from our actual physical files uh, to our database for the for the website is far from complete. Um, uh, Jeff uh, Frank here at Sailrite, who's our sail designer, um, anytime he has a spare moment, uh, he's going to th- going through the files one by one, and there are thousands of them, and he's pulling out what we consider to be the most pertinent uh, um, blueprints and drawings and spec information, and he's getting that over to advertising. And they're slowly scanning those things and putting them out there on on the boats that we have records for. So uh, uh, that content is not stagnant; it's changing all the time. And I would encourage your listeners, if they have a particular boat uh, that they want to see what information we have available, uh, they should feel free to reach out to Jeff, and it's just Jeff F for Jeff Frank at Sailrite.com. And uh, ask him if he could uh, exp- uh, if he could expedite the process of uh, of building out uh, the boat data on the particular boat that they're interested in. Um, we'd be happy to do that, and uh, uh, I think you'd be surprised if you saw how much content we have on all of these boats. Well, I did a search just before I called you up today to search my boat, and uh, and it's there. It's there. It's it doesn't have what it had before. I think you changed websites because I think actually let me see what it says. No. Yeah, I think you had more data on your old website. So I think you've migrated over to a new website. Is that what you've been doing? We did, and we're but we're uh, we're changing. So the old the old information 
would have used um, uh, a variety of uh, of uh, uh, mathematical formulas in order to calculate uh, the luff leach and foot um, for a variety of different sales for a particular boat. Uh, and, and that was all calculated data, though. So instead of doing that now, we're pulling the core rig dimension information, you know, the IJP and E and the rest of that I2J2, whatever a boat might have. And we're, we're giving that information. And then instead of, instead of trying to copy information from the plans, we are slowly taking more digital uh, imagery of the, uh, the, the boat pictures and the blueprints that we have on file and moving those as images uh, for the, the particular boats, which I think is, is better for our consumers because it's obvious it's accurate information if it's coming from the actual uh, uh, you know, original designer plans for the boat, um, and it's not um, uh, uh, mathematically calculated sale data uh, that uh, uh, may or may not match exactly what you're looking for. Actually, this may be it, because I've seen a, uh, it looks to me like you put an image up here of the boat, and it does show the actual image, which I saw in the in the sales brochure when I bought the boat. Yeah, so yeah what boat do, are we looking at? We're looking at the Bristol Channel Cutter. Bristol Channel Cut, Br- Bristol Channel, it says XSD-5220. Yeah, so this is an example of, uh, but, but this is only one print, so this wouldn't be one that he's gotten through yet. Okay, and I wouldn't expect um, it because there's only maybe a hundred of these boats out there. So, yeah. but but let me let me do this though. I wouldn't be surprised if we have just fantastic information on this boat. I'm going to send Jeff an email on your behalf. Okay, and I'm just going to tell him to uh, uh, to populate that, and I'd be watching watch that file over the next couple weeks, and and you'll see just what information we have available for it. But uh, uh, this is going to be a long process because we have, I think we have almost 4,000 files that we have to go through, and Jeff has to go through, and um, uh, yeah, and I can tell this was this one isn't done yet because what I'm relying on Jeff to do, if you look where it says sailboat description, mm-hmm. it really doesn't say much here. Nope. Uh, Jeff, Jeff is very knowledgeable about boats in general, and uh, I mean, he's, think of him when he was younger as somebody who spent their time um, going through sailing magazines like somebody today might go through a car magazine. So he has just a vast knowledge of, <laughs> of sailboats in general and has a very good idea as to why somebody might have purchased one boat over another or why a, a particular uh, manufacturer, what purpose they created the sailboat for. And uh, I've asked him to uh, uh, you know, sort of fill out this uh, sailboat description information with uh, his knowledge of, of the boat and uh, uh, anything that he knows about it that would be uh, unique or interesting to, uh, uh, to anybody else that owns the boat. So he's filling that information out, and then we're pulling all of our blueprint information and all of our spec information and putting it into imagery. And then, of course, if you look at the products for this boat to the right, um, what we've done there is we have taken um, kits that we currently produce um, that are a match uh, for that particular boat, and we have put them there as uh, products related to the boat. So if you, if you were interested in, for instance, uh, building a mainsail cover for this boat, uh, that sail cover kit obviously is a 16-foot boom kit, which would make sense for this boat given that the E-dimension is uh, uh, 15.3 feet. So, and the F4 foreduck bag, if you didn't have a furling unit, would be the appropriate foreduck bag size. So, I mean, there is this, – this is not uh, – 
garbage information. It is very good information, and, and the products that are recommended there are our specific recommendations for use on that particular boat. Yeah, interesting. I was thinking of building, as one of my projects, a sheet bag kit, as long as I could sort of mm-hmm. attach it to the lifelines. So I'm sure there's ways to just connect it by hooks or something to the lifelines. I don't want to put snaps on the boat, but but that might be something I'd want to do. I like that because I was thinking of that. I was actually looking at the Pfeiffer Techs, which I guess is the front of this. Is that what it's called, mm-hmm. Pfeiffer Techs, which is a shade material? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Pfeiffer Techs. Yeah, that's a wonderful fabric. Uh, it's basically a polyester um, woven into a mesh. Um, so there are open pores or open holes, if you will. And then uh, uh, the polyester um, fibers are encapsulated in vinyl, and the stuff is is really very very durable. Yeah, I've got a, a, a spray dodger on my boat with a, uh, a, a sunscreen over the top of it that goes to the boom. Can I can't quite stand up in it. But in the summer when I'm in in the Mediterranean, I'm hiding from the sun. It is so hot sometimes, and I'm I sure. have some side curtains that I have made out of. Uh, sunbrella but it just doesn't let me look out so i'm constantly lifting it up and and looking out so i'm thinking i want to make those side curtains out of pfeiffer tech so i can actually see through it a little bit and i guess yeah. that's the advantage yeah. of it and also I'll get yeah. ventilation yeah. through there as well right yeah no yeah you'll get uh, ventilation if it does rain it actually does a pretty good job of blocking water from coming through uh and the visibility is uh is really uh uh pretty darn good um and the darker colors are easier to see through. That's one thing to keep in mind than the lighter colors. But uh, uh, the other thing that you might want to do, and I'm just looking for it right now, we get a lot of questions about uh, Pfeiffer Tex. There are two different versions. There's a, there's a plus, and then there is also a, um, um, a standard that they just call straight Pfeiffer Tex. Uh, and the difference is the density um, uh, which, of course, has to do with how much air can blow through and also uh, uh, how much light you're going to be able to see through it. Um, and we did a video. I'm trying to find it here real quick. Uh, we did a video on a powerboat um, where we did a sunshade, uh, but we also did a, a comparison video where you can look out uh, a boat window that has the plus and a boat window that has the standard so you can get an idea as to what your visibility difference is going to be between the two products. Oh, that'll be good. That'll be good. You know, I wake up in the morning, and before I get out of bed, I'll sometimes turn on YouTube and watch some of your videos, believe it or not. I mean, I think you've got the best series of videos on do-it-yourself projects out there. It's it's pretty phenomenal, in my opinion. We, we work on them hard. I wish we could get more done, but... Uh... Uh, we do get the important ones done, I think, and uh, uh, and that's another area where I'll tell your listeners, if they have suggestions about videos that they would like us to prioritize over others, uh, uh, they can always send that information to info at sailright.com, and uh, uh, we often take our, our customer suggestions as to, to what's important to them to for us to prioritize. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking, actually, that particular video would be one that uh, uh, it looks like did not make it on our website, but it is on our YouTube channel, which is SailRight One. Uh, so if if somebody just goes to the YouTube channel and uh, and types in, uh, um, oh, I would probably on this particular one without doing it. Probably just uh, type in Pfeiffer Tex, pro- right? Yeah, either Pfeiffer Tex, or you know what might be better would be um, uh, uh, windshield sunshade. 
I know that would pull it up. And then they'll find a variety of windshield sunshades that we put together, but uh, it'll, the comparison video will be in there. All right. I, we've gone over the history of your company, but this is a second or third generation company, right? Third generation It is. Now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm second generation. My son is here, um, and uh, he's decided to make this his career path. So uh, uh, he's he's doing an excellent job. Is that Zach? That is Zach. Yep. Yeah, I'm yep. looking at your catalog. I got your catalog last Friday, and I've been looking through it, and I see there's uh, there's you and 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 uh, your wife. The, the you're the vice president. She's the CEO. And then you've got... She's the boss. She's the boss. Now, who's Eric? Is he your brother? Or? He's giving me a thumbs up with me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, Eric is, uh, uh, Eric is, is my brother. Okay. And uh, he's my old, older brother. And uh, probably the only reason that he isn't running the place and I am is that uh, uh, when he was younger, uh, he and his wife decided they wanted to go into missionary work, and they did that for over a decade. So... Uh, he got a little bit uh, slower start at, uh, at coming on into the family business, but uh, uh, he is fully up to speed at this point, and, and uh, he's happy to not have to be super involved in the management side of the business, which uh, uh, I, I, I can understand why that uh, would be uh, uh, something that some people don't want to get involved in. And uh, But he is our videographer, so uh, he has some very grateful customers uh, given the uh, uh, he's the guy that's making all of this free content uh, uh, available. So is he behind the? Ca- I've seen him both in front of the camera and behind the camera. So is he mostly? Because I see, yeah, I see you in more of them than him in the videos. Yeah, yeah he's most he's mostly behind the camera. Um, but uh, actually, lately, uh, even when we have somebody like Cindy uh, or uh, or Brian or whoever else might be in front of the camera, um, uh, sometimes Eric will. We'll do the video uh, in a more quiet manner without discussing what's going on, and then he is, he does a lot of the narration. Okay, so yeah, uh, there's a lot uh, of you'll like, hear him actually. Right. Yeah, there's a lot so of he, narration he, that goes on with the videos, which is great. Right. Right. And 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 the nice thing about that is is that, and I think that's one of the good things. I mean, the reason that we can produce so much content uh, with a small staff is that Eric not only. Uh, knows how to to shoot the videos and render the videos, but uh, he also knows what's going on. In other words, he's almost directing at the same time that he's doing the videos. So, uh, uh, and 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 Chris sometimes has issue with this because Chris is. If you've talked to Chris, you know he's extremely organized, likes to have a plan, and uh, uh, and and when he has a plan, he wants to follow it by the letter. Uh, Eric is is the exact opposite to that. He's more like my father was, which is. We need to do this. Let's get it done. Don't even think about how to plan for it. Just do it. And uh, I think we need to have a balance between the two, but uh, uh, I've got enough people on both sides and some in the middle that it, it, it tends to work out. And I think that video for us is should be more of a uh, non-scripted, um, uh, non-planned approach. We want to show our customers not only uh, how successful you can be at doing this stuff, but if we screw up in the process of doing the video, sometimes it's not a bad thing to to leave some of that in there and and say, okay, here's what you do when you make a mistake. So uh, uh, and nobody does it perfectly all the time. So uh, it's important to know how to make corrections. And fortunately, Fabric is often forgiving. Yeah, let's let's just go over what your company does and what your main branches of the company. You've got. Uh, you, you know, like I say, I came across your company when I thought, well, I want to save money by possibly building my sales. 
but you've expanded a lot in the last, well, that was 30 years ago, I think, when I first came across your company. But you've changed a lot since then. So give us a quick overview of Sailrite and your main areas of concentration. Sure, sure. Well, the first thing I'll tell you is, is that uh, we've been on a growth path um, every year uh, for pretty much as long as my wife and I have uh, have been involved. And uh, not to say that Jim and Connie didn't experience similar growth, but uh, uh, I mean, we're, we're becoming a pretty organizations with organization which does have its challenges but also has its benefits but uh, basically what we do is uh, we are um, a hardware store uh, for uh, canvas fabricators anybody interested in do-it-yourself canvas work for their their boat or for their outdoor living spaces and uh, I think Chris coined this at one point and I'm not sure we've ever really used it anywhere but uh, it makes good sense to me so I tell people when they ask me uh, to describe the business, I say, um, Sailrite caters to boaters, primarily sailors, and we also love sailors and boaters who have outdoor living spaces uh, at their permanent residences. So he said it much better than I just said it, but don't tell him that. But the uh, the point is, is that we recognize that a lot of boaters not only have boats, but they also have homes. And we want to be able to help them find creative ways to use fabric and the equipment like the sewing machines that we sell uh, to recover everything from their indoor upholstery to their patio cushions, uh, outdoor umbrellas, uh, uh, lounge chairs, um, and doing uh, their, their boat cover work and their boat cushions and, and sail repair. And even for a small group of customers, uh, uh, making their own sails. So uh, uh, that, in a nutshell, is what we do, and the way we accomplish it is we create fantastic sewing machines, uh, promote them very well, support them very well, and then we try and look at all of the different markets that that sewing machine can be used in, and, uh, and we're slowly growing by uh, expanding to those various markets. So right now, obviously, sailing was the core Power boating's becoming a bigger, or power boats are becoming a bigger market for us. Upholstery is becoming a, a a much bigger market for us, and we have several others that we're we're looking at uh, uh, as we continue to grow. But those would be the core markets right now that we cater to. Well, that's that's pretty impressive, and your catalog's very impressive too. You have to get actually two editions for your catalog to cover everything. One's the uh, the sailmaker's catalog. And then the other one's yep. the uh, the upholstery catalog. I've got both of them on my desk, and uh, uh, it's you know the, most a lot of the tools I noticed are in the sailmaker's catalog. There's more tools in that one than than the than the upholstery catalog. It seemed like, and uh, yeah, there are more specialized tools in general for uh, uh, sailmaking and and boat canvas work. Um, upholstery really. I mean, there are upholstery tools, but when you get right down to it, uh, a lot of it is related to staple removing because a lot of furniture, is, there's a lot of stapling going on. Uh, tack hammers uh, uh, for applying various uh, trim pieces, and then, of course, uh, uh, staplers, uh, pneumatic staplers, um, and uh, uh, a few other main hot knife, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, really, upholstery doesn't take a lot of tools. Um, Staplers probably the core tool that you use for that in a sewing machine, and uh, so you won't see as much uh, in that book. But of course, remember that book is is 
the real sizzle, if I can use that word, is fabric. So that particular book, we want to show that we have a vast selection of uh, home decor fabric, and uh, that's the primary purpose of the of the home catalog. The marine catalog, uh, when you start talking about marine appropriate materials, and then we're talking about more cover cloth, you know, sunbrella, your standard sunbrella marine grade fabric, your your top gun, uh, top notch uh, from Marlin textiles, your uh, Pfeiffer Tex, uh, those all become very specific purpose marine grade materials uh, that uh, don't lend themselves so much to the home market, uh, certainly not for upholstery work. So it makes good sense to us to separate the two because there is, there is even though they're, they're, they're fabric, there is a divider between the two as to what they should be used for. So I do like this concept that we, we have of, of uh, sort of splitting the two books out, even though if you came in our building, uh, nothing is split out here. I mean, all fabric is stored in the same fabric region, and parts and supplies and tools are all considered to be the same. So, uh, uh, But for our customers, I think it works well. Now, I think I read that you have over 6,000 inventory items. How, how big is your warehouse there? Uh, we have uh, our, our whole building is 71,000 square feet, so the warehouse portion of that is about 66,000 square feet. So uh, uh, we have a good-sized warehouse, uh, and we are full. Um, I never thought we'd fill this building when we moved here. Uh, it, it just seemed enormous, but uh, uh, I imagine my son's problem sometime down the road will be figuring out how we expand. Uh, and uh, I, I hope that I don't get stuck in that one again. I've done enough building, but uh, the, uh, 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 we, we have a lot of stuff. All right, let's talk about your machines because I am so impressed with uh, your machines. I got the UltraFeed LSZ-1 Premium. Um, mm-hmm. It came in, I think, a, one huge box and a, I think another box or two along the way. But uh, first of all, let's I, – I, and I, I wrote you this. I said, okay, I, I can figure out what the SZ-1 means, but I don't know what the L means. What does the L on that mean? Oh yeah, I forgot that you sent me an email about that, and I told you I'd talk to you about that. Yeah, the uh, uh, okay. So the the uh, let me let me think how I want to explain this. Um, when we first came out, okay, when we had this original idea that we were going to create a a portable walking foot zigzag machine, uh, we were not a hundred percent sure how we wanted to market the machine. We didn't know if we wanted to bring the, the, uh, the sewing machine uh, in uh, as a Sailrite product and sell it directly through Sailrite or whether we wanted to create a distribution company and uh, allow for distribution through, through dealers, including Sailrite. And uh, uh, my father's middle name is Lowell. Uh, okay. So if, 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 if anybody still has an old... Uh, alter feed sewing machine box from one of the original batches and this probably wasn't such a good idea because it probably uh, led to a number of questions that we never answered well but if you looked at the outside of the box the outside of the box actually said Lowell manufacturing and Lowell manufacturing was never really anything more than an alias and uh, when we put the L L S Z or the LS that's what the L stood for was Lowell so uh, it's my father's middle name. Uh, it was a, a, uh, uh, a poorly thought out uh, uh, approach. 
and uh, and we never really went that route. So it, when the machines came in, they were always sold uh, directly through SailRite. We did have some dealers uh, at one point. We went through a process of uh, of selling through dealers, but I, I have to be honest with you, we we dropped that, and and I'm I'm happy we did. We dropped that. Oh, I don't know how many years ago it's been, uh, and it was a tough thing to do because our dealers were really uh, uh, very good customers for us, and and most of them. Uh, we're doing very well with the product and uh, and supporting it properly, but um, they were creating so much confusion in the marketplace about who was sale right and and what was the price because everybody was trying to compete against one another, especially with eBay at the time going crazy with everybody trying to one up one another, and we would get so many calls of people saying, "I want to buy your machine, but why is it cheaper on eBay than on your website?" And ultimately, my wife uh, convinced me that we should. We should take the chance and just say we're going to sell these direct within the United States, no dealers, and uh, then we can provide all of the support. We don't have to be answering questions about where to buy the machine. There's only one spot to get it. We'll know every person we sold the machine to, and we can track them properly with serial numbers, which means we can support them properly, and we don't have to deal with uh, uh, anybody who might mislead somebody, sell them something different than what they're claiming it is and all those other things that can happen and i think in the long run uh, i know right now that has been a good decision i think in the long run it will continue to be a good decision Um, the only dealers that we have at this point are international dealers and those dealers are very important to us Uh, so i always tell people you know we sell exclusively to customers in the united states direct but internationally you have the option of either buying it from sale right uh, or here's the list of dealers that uh, that stock our product. Okay, okay. Did, do you have any competitors in this market? I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen another competitor that does what your machines do. Uh, we we have. Uh, I mean, yeah. If if uh, uh, any any successful product is going to be a product that is knocked off, and our product has been knocked off a zillion times, um, there are products that look similar. Um, none of them come from our factory that we work with. Um, uh, they, they work very closely with us, and they're very loyal to us. Um, so uh, I don't consider them to be competitors because though, though sometimes their product does work, sometimes it doesn't, and not, never does it work as well, okay. uh, and never does it, is it supported as well. So I can't tell you how many times a day I hear from somebody who says, I made a mistake, uh, now I need to buy your machine. And um, uh, my only, I don't mind having competition like that because I actually think that competition helps to grow a market. Um, what I do mind is I do mind when, when uh, uh, you have competition and they're not supporting a product and they're, they bring the product down by sending out something that, that should never have gotten to a consumer in the first place. So uh, fortunately, most of those competitors have disappeared long ago. Um, but, uh, there's still a few of them out there that I wish they just weren't trying to do what they're doing. Um, so now what I would say is that our true competition in the sewing machine industry would be name brand sewing machines of a larger size. Um, and those would be, you know, your Jukies of the world and, uh, Juki makes very fine equipment and full size industrial equipment, but we have answers to those machines as well, like our new fabricator sewing machine. And I, I truly believe that SailRite provides the very best support of any sewing machine operation anywhere in the world. 
And I also truly believe that the Ultrafeed um, is the world's best portable sewing machine. Um, I, to this point, have not found anything that is better. If there is something better out there, uh, I would be the first to admit uh, that it's better uh, for what, what we're selling a machine for, and I'm always happy to, to test different machines. I just haven't found anything that comes close to this point. Let me tell you my experience when I got your machine in the mail. So I got it, it was probably about oh, couple, about a month and a half ago, and I got it, and it was this huge box. My wife got it in the house. She was upset because I wasn't there to carry it in the house because it, it is not light. It is a heavy machine, <laughs> and she got it in the no, house. They're cast iron. <laughs> they're cast iron. And I took it out. I thought, oh, you know, I'll work on it this weekend, but I thought, no, I'm going to work on it right now. So I opened it up. And uh, I saw all these pieces that I had to sort of assemble. Not that much, but still you had to do some assembly, mainly getting it in the, uh, in the box. It came with a DVD, and it came with a printed, uh, a printed instruction manual yep. as well. Right. And it also came with two samples of material that showed that it had been tested, and it showed the stitches on some really heavy vinyl and some really, really heavy uh, multiple layers Umbrella. of Sumbrella. And then it also has the name of the person at the company that inspected it. So right there, I got a real sense of quality and testing and making sure it was working right before it went out the door. And then I proceeded to spend about the next 45 minutes assembling everything, getting it in the box. And then I decided I had a couple questions that I didn't quite understand. And then after I got it all assembled, which was pretty simple, I went and watched the video, which I should have watched first. Because <laughs> yeah, the video goes through it all in a very, very detailed manner. Yeah, and not only that, it explains where where to oil the machine, how to maintain the machine, how to set up the stitches. I mean, I'm not a seamstress by any stretch of the imagination. I've done a little bit of sewing on industrial machines. I have a friend that owns a, a, a big shop in Salt Lake, and whenever I need to do something, I just go down and borrow his machines. This eliminates the need for me to go down and borrow his machines. And what I don't like about the industrial machines is unless you are skilled, they go fast. They don't have a slow and medium and fast speed. They have a fast speed, or it's really it's really difficult to slow those machines down. Your foot pedal on this lets me really adjust how fast I'm feeding the material through the machine. And uh, that's my biggest, uh, I mean, that's, that's one of the great things about your machine is it, it goes through anything. It goes through thick leather. It, I mean, <laughs> it goes through anything. So, yeah. yeah, slow speed control has always been uh, one of those areas that we have worked very hard to, uh, 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 to make better and better um, wherever we can. Um, and I will tell you, Franz, that uh, uh, there is a new product that we're working on right now. It's probably still three to six months out, uh, but um, uh, we, we, this, the, the fabricator, which is a, another, a different new product, one that is already out right now, um, we have developed with a, a, a special large diameter flywheel that looks very much like the uh, monster wheel that you would have on your machine, except for it's aluminum, because we don't want it to be heavy on a full-size industrial uh, table-mounted machine because of the speed issue that you mentioned. Um, and what we've done then is we've paired that aluminum wheel uh, with another cog belt, a timing belt similar to the one that you have on your machine, but we're running it to a special motor that we had created, which is called the Workhorse Servo Motor. And um, it is a, uh, uh, a servo motor uh, that, that, uh, that we have uh, uh, specially made uh, for sale, right? 
um, that has just tremendous slow speed capability. And when we pair it to that uh, aluminum wheel uh, with the cog belt arrangement, uh, we have managed to create a machine that uh, uh, has power beyond your beliefs. Uh, I mean, it is it, the slow speed power is such that you can actually press the pedal down just and watch the needle slowly creep down through the material and stop right at the bottom and do the same thing if you want to bring it up to the top. Uh, well, that system has impressed those of us here at Sailrite that understand sewing machines so much that the first thing the guy said is, we need to create a package uh, for the ultra feed uh, that will allow our customers to take their portable machine out of the case when they don't need it to be portable, drop it into this a special table stand that we make just for the UltraFeed with the workhorse motor, and then use the existing Power Plus wheel, not your metal wheel, but the black wheel that you got, and, and run the UltraFeed with the Power Plus wheel and the, the workhorse uh, servo motor. And uh, we've already uh, prototyped and we've been testing that package here for quite some time now. We want to make sure that we're not overpowering things so much that we're going to create problems. But uh, uh, we get the same type of speed control and stitch precision now with that table setup that we get with the fabricator. And uh, uh, it, it will take you from the level that is already great to something that is what I would call unbelievable. Uh, for our customers that just need that super, super slow speed precision. And uh, I'm not saying it's a necessity. It's certainly not something that would work in a portable arrangement. But if we have a customer that needs that type of slow speed power that blows everybody else in the industry completely out of the water, uh, that's coming. Uh, and that'll be available for the for the ultra feed. I'm not sure Chris and his team have put a name on that yet, but uh, it's essentially a special power stand with a servo motor uh, that is designed for anybody to use with any existing ultra-feed sewing machine. Uh, so uh, uh, I don't want to diminish what you said about it already being a super powerful package, but that's what I meant when I told you that we, we never are satisfied. We keep trying to improve things and make them better and better and better, and uh, this is sort of the next evolution of, some, of, of a major component that you could purchase for use with your ultra-feed. All right, and that leads me to a question that I have on the, the Power Plus wheel. This is, is a big, heavy flywheel. Basically, I don't know if you call it flywheel, but a big, heavy wheel that monster runs wheel, a yeah. monster wheel. What's, yeah. Tell me when I would want to use that and when not, because I haven't put it on yet because I thought, well, it's just doing fine. Why do I need to put it on yet? Yeah. Well, first thing is you need to put it on because you'll have even more power with that wheel. So uh, uh, you put that wheel on, get rid of the plastic wheel. Don't get rid of it. Set it aside. Um, the, uh, the, the reason we include both uh, for the premium package is that uh, uh, you do get to take seven pounds of carrying weight away from the machine when you put the plastic wheel on. That metal wheel weighs about seven pounds, so it adds to the carrying weight. But from a performance standpoint in the portable package, that metal wheel, uh, the monster wheel we call it, uh, is uh, vastly superior. It not only quiet the machine down, um, it makes hand cranking possible. Uh, the, the, uh, and that's why it includes that uh, hand crank handle. And um, um, it also uh, helps to increase power uh, because once that wheel starts turning, you have the momentum of the, of the rotation of the wheel. So uh, I would, I, whenever I sell somebody a premium machine, the, I know the instructions walk you through putting the Power Plus wheel on, uh, but uh, uh, seriously, pull that pull that one off. Put the monster wheel on. Uh, uh, you'll be impressed with it. Uh, it's, it's working just fine the way it is. <laughs> Don't throw the Power Plus wheel away, though, because if you ever decided you wanted that table that I was just talking about, you need the Power Plus wheel. 
because you cannot put a heavy wheel on a on an industrial table stand with a servo motor uh, or any type of a clutch motor or anything under the table because the motors run so fast that uh, once the wheel starts turning that's that heavy, uh, then you end up starting to have an issue with uh, not being able to stop the machine. So uh, you got to use a light wheel whenever you use a bigger motor. All right. Well, I'll, I'll start playing with that now. It sounds like the next adventure yeah. to work on. So. Yep. Well, it's really easy to put that on, too. You know, you just unthread that uh, posi pin nut at the end of the shaft and pull the old wheel off, slide the new one on, and put the posi pin nut back on and slide your posi pin in, and you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was actually searching on YouTube for maintenance of the sewing machine before I got it, and I didn't see as many videos on it, but it was certainly included in that first DVD. Maybe I just wasn't able to find them when I was searching for them on YouTube. Well, we... Yeah, yeah. This is one of those things that we we constantly question what we should do. Um, the uh, uh, we we don't want to overwhelm people with videos on sewing machines, especially especially technical videos um, uh, on YouTube, because it makes the obviously. I mean, our we want to sell things, so the sales videos have to be available and easy to find. Um, if we put a bunch of tech videos out there, then then our sales videos get lost. So. Uh, um, what we do, we have those videos, and we have lots of them. Um, and we hold those videos as part of our. You probably haven't go, had to go through any any uh, uh, support cases yet. But let's say you had an issue, and we'll pick something really simple. Uh, let's say you're you're uh, um, you're sewing, and every time you start to sew, uh, the needle or the thread comes out of the needle, and you're not getting any stitches. Okay. Uh, Probably somebody would just tell you how to fix that over the phone, but I'm, I'm using this as an example. Uh, the uh, uh, you would call in to say all right, or you would you would go onto the website and log into your account, and you can do it from either spot. So if you log into your account, you can go to your your my account page and you can start a support case. There's a link for for support cases, uh, or you can simply call in and say you need to you need help with your sewing machine. And what will happen is is that uh, one of the gals or guys that answer the phone here. Uh, will um, ask uh, to find your account information, and uh, they will start a support case um, that we can track, and they'll ask what the problem is, and you'd explain, you know, that the thread's coming out of the needle every time you start to sew. And uh, uh, that will go to one of our support techs, and uh, they try and answer you very quickly, and they'll get back to you, and what you would likely get would be a video, and the video that you would get would be a support video specific to the issue that you're having. And in this case, you'd watch the video, and the video would show you that you're threading the needle uh, the wrong direction. You're threading it from the, the right to the left instead of from the left to the right. And when the hook swings by, it's just simply pulling the thread out of the needle. Oh, so, okay. uh, which, believe it or not, that's a pretty common problem. <laughs> but it's it, you got to thread the needle the right way. Um, but uh, uh, and and then of course, what we want is we were hoping that the customer will watch the video because no matter how much time we spend on the phone. We can still never provide the same level of service and support that we can by sending you a video that is customized to the specific issue that you're having so that you can not only see how the problem occurs and say, yeah, that's what's ha happening, and then see how we're actually fixing it. And then you say, oh, that's, that's a no-brainer. Um, and we send the video to you, and you watch it, you fix the problem, and you tell us everything's great, and we close the case. Now, the beauty of this, that was a very simple example, but the beauty of this is that we're creating a history of all issues that that uh, somebody might have with a sewing machine uh, for our use 
to, to make the machine even better as we go. And we're also creating a history on your particular machine in our system so that the next time that you call, if you have the same problem or you're having a different problem, and it's one that we're having a hard time figuring out what it is, we can go back and we can look at other issues that we've had and try and figure out if those other issues that we had might in some way be contributing to the problem that you're having now. And, um, uh, you know, we sort of obviously borrowed that more from the computer tech industry, but I think we're the only people in the sewing machine industry that do that. And uh, uh, we do that because we take support that seriously. And I know some customers early on, thought that that was not a good way to do it because they want to talk to somebody on the phone. And we have no problem with talking to our customers about sewing machine support on the phone, but we prefer to uh, do the phone conversation after we've had a chance to address it with the video content because video is what we're really good at. And I think video, if a customer has access to it, is the best way to solve those sort of issues. So, so yes, that long. I, I you know what, Mike? I, I give you long-winded answers to everything. I apologize, <laughs> but the, the the long and the short of it is, yes, we have those videos. Uh, we send them out on an as-needed basis, uh, based upon support cases that are put in. But if you ever had an issue that or something you were just curious about, you could call in and say, Hey, do you have a video on you know? How do I reset the height of the feed, or or how do I, uh, uh, you know, change the uh, the spring tension on the on the uh, um, stitch length lever, or how do I change the uh, spring tension on the take up spring, or or any of that stuff? I mean, we have videos on everything. You know, my my grandmother was a uh, was a uh, drape maker. She supported herself by making drapes, and she had a uh, workshop down in in her basement of her house, and she would make drapes for customers and i and i'd go over there and i would always smell uh, sewing machine oil and she had an old singer it was really one of these old singer sewing machines that had been and i think it was originally a foot driven sewing machine that they put on a motor on it because it was a powerful machine that could get through the material that she needed she didn't have one of the new fancy machines but this one did the job for her but but i always sort of associate the smell of um, sewing machine oil with with my grandmother and which leads me to my question how often should you be oiling the machine <laughs> that's a funny story by the way <laughs> but the uh I, to be honest with you i'm not sure i'm gonna when we're when we're done with this conversation i'm gonna go out and smell some sewing machine oil <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh all kidding aside uh <laughs> The uh, the answer that I always give people is uh, oil the machine before every major project and before you put it away for an extended period of time. Other than that, uh, uh, if you're doing a, a, a job, listen to your machine. If it starts to, to feel or, or make squeaks or sound rough, oil it. But uh, uh, here's the thing. Um, that is great when it comes to the equipment that we're selling at the speed that we operate it. Uh, if you do not run a machine at a super high rate of speed, uh, which that's our thing, we don't run, I mean, if somebody calls me and they want to run 6,000 stitches per minute, we just don't offer equipment that does that. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that's super production speed. Uh, if, if we don't run at those speeds, if we're running at hundreds of stitches per minute as opposed to thousands of stitches per minute, things don't heat up and wear. So uh, uh, our is not nearly as important um, 
given the way and the speed that, at which we operate uh, sailrite sewing machines. Now, if you're running a machine at a super high rate of speed, then oiling becomes much more important. So when we get into the faster speed machines and even the fabricator, which is capable of going uh, 3,500 stitches per minute, uh, that machine has an oil bath that's built into the, into the, uh, the pan uh, that sits under the machine and actually sumps oil through the sewing machine as you're operating it in order to make sure that you're getting oil to the hook and to the critical components of the sewing machine. So when you get into real production equipment, you're sumping oil typically today. Uh, when we're talking lower speed um, machines without oil pumps, uh, then um, you either do it by sound or you, you, know, you, you follow a schedule like I mentioned before, before a major project and when you put it away. Uh, and if you want to oil it, in the middle of a major project, nothing wrong with that. But uh, I hate oiling sewing machines in the middle of projects because I always find that I get oil stains on my fabric. So unless the machine's talking to me and telling me it needs oil, I don't oil it. Uh, which may, brings me to a question on the marine environment. Let's say that somebody bought your machine, which I'm sure a lot of people have, and put it on a sailboat. They have it on their sailboat. Is there any special maintenance that needs to be done to protect it from a marine environment? Sure. No, that's a great question. Uh, the uh, um, yes, um, uh, obviously there are environments that uh, uh, can be uh, uh, very damaging uh, to metal components. Uh, uh, I am surprised over the years that I have had people who have asked me why in the world the machine isn't all stainless steel, and I think you and I both know the answer to that. If I tried to create a 100% stainless steel sewing machine. Um, uh, it would be so cost prohibitive that uh, uh, I would never sell any sewing machines. And the other thing is, of course, that stainless steel has its problems in salt water too, um, as anything does in a in a bat, in an environment like that. The um, um, the answer to the the question is there are some protective treatments that you can put on the machine, even on the paint job of the sewing machine, uh, that will um, help to protect it uh, for years and years. Uh, T9 by Bowshield is uh, one of those products. It's a, it's a wax lubricant, and I wouldn't use it to oil the machine, but certainly uh, annually or biannually it could be used to, protect, to put a protective finish on the exterior metal components, especially those components that are, are blued, um, so anything black metal on the machine. Um, Lanacoat, um, I think Force Bar still offers that product. Um, that's a, another one that is excellent, uh, and both of these are widely used in the marine industry anyway. And uh, those, those two products uh, uh, would do a great job. Um, if you didn't have those, uh, to be quite honest with you, just, and that's why I said oil it before you put it away, you can use an oil rag and just wipe the whole machine down with oil, and that does a lot. Now, if you don't do anything, uh, you'll get surface corrosion on things, but you'll never have a rust-through issue. I shouldn't say never, but it's very unlikely that you would have a rust-through issue that would create a problem. And as long as you're running the machine, um, the, uh, um, there won't be a problem. I mean, it's sort of like, uh, and I, I don't, I don't pr uh, pretend to know anything about trains and locomotives, but, uh, uh, you, you know, there's a lot of rusted metal. <laughs> that you see when you're sitting at a at a uh, uh, a train stop, uh, and what's not rusted is where the wheels are are running against the track, and it's because they're running. So, uh, as with anything, I think that is mechanical in any nature. If you use it, it's not going to be a problem. If you leave it sit, that's where you get into trouble. But even if you leave it sit, as long as you lubricate it well 
and you run it through a bit, and uh, uh, even if you have to touch some of the surfaces with some uh, emery paper, if they get a little bit of corrosion on the surface, uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, I'll take a breath, and then I'll tell you a little story. Uh, the <laughs> the um, Several years ago, when I was the guy doing all of the sewing machines, and I used to do the sewing machines, I used to be able to say I still touched more sewing machines than anybody in our building, but that's no longer the case. There are a couple of guys here that have actually worked on more sewing machines than I have now. Um, but the uh, uh, back in those days when I was doing a lot of the work and certainly the repair work on the sewing machines, I would get them in when we would have a crazy situation like somebody who had their boat sank or or a storm you know created a, a water situation where their sewing machine was in the boat and it was underwater for 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 three or four days before they could pull it out um, we have received numerous machines in like that over the years and most of the time though we can't remove all of the corrosion we can remove the corrosion in the areas that matter free up the machine and get it sewing perfectly again it may not look like a new machine anymore but it will work and uh uh, that's just a fact. I mean, it's uh, uh, corrosion can happen, but it seldom causes an operation problem. You go to a lot of boat shows, right? Do you meet a lot of your not happy... a lot, but we 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 do some. I mean, we've done the Annapolis boat show for as long as I can remember, and so we do that annually. And we have done numerous other shows over the years. Uh, we don't consider it to be a big part of of what we have to do annually. But, yes, I, I, I have been to numerous boat shows myself over the years. So I'm sure at these boat shows you meet some of your happy customers. Do you run into people that are making income by sewing on their boats for other people? Oh, yeah, all the time, all the time. So And it's, it's a common theme that we hear. I mean, if, you, if you've decided, and, and there, you know, there are, there are a precious few, relatively speaking, but there are uh, people who make the decision that they are going to have a short career, make as much money as they possibly can during that short career and save as much as they can, and then their life stream is to, uh, to outfit their boat and, uh, and cruise the world. And uh, uh, back in the day, uh, those people did it just, just to cruise the world, and uh, they needed to make sure that they could, could uh, maintain some income along the way and, uh, you know, some of the, I, I, I can't tell you how many I talked to that, you know, were in the computer industry, and what they would do is they would cruise and wherever they would stop, uh, they would take a, a uh, programming or a development gig on a contract uh, for a period of time wherever they were until they could uh, uh, strengthen their cruising kitty and, and go on. Well, uh, back then we would hear about it a lot because a lot of people would uh, uh, also uh, think in terms of buying a sewing machine from us, and instead of if they didn't have programming skills or whatever the trade skill they had uh, might be, uh, they would uh, uh, recognize the fact that everybody uh, that doesn't have a sewing machine that has a boat has a need of somebody who can do canvas re repair work or make uh, canvas items to protect a various aspect of their of their boat. So, uh, yeah, lots of people would buy machines put them on their boats, uh, stop at a marina, pull the sewing machine out, hang a shingle, and uh, whether it was for beer or <laughs> whether it was for actual cash, uh, they would do work for their neighboring boats and uh, replenish their, their cruising kitty that way. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, that uh, uh, certainly 
is and was something that we would hear a lot about in the past. Now, I'm getting to be an older person in this industry, so I see things change. Now I'm starting to see the trends and what happens. And uh, actually what we're, what we're seeing now is less people who are asking us about buying machines in order to, to improve their cruising kitty uh, by doing work for people. And we have more people who are now talking to us about blogging uh, and uh, uh, writing articles um, uh, in, in, uh, uh, to make money uh, and using the equipment as part of that process. So we actually have uh, uh, affiliates uh, who are bloggers um, who have, and there are lots of them, who have machines um, who we work with closely in order to uh, help them uh, uh, with the projects that they're doing so that they can they can write about uh, um, what things they're doing on their boat so uh, there are there are a whole bunch of different avenues uh, for raising money when you're when you're trying to maintain a lifestyle like that uh, now uh, so it's sort of interesting to see all that happen there's a few skills that need to be had in the, in the boating community one is another one that I've talked about is refrigeration mechanics I mean it's not that hard and it's equipment that you can carry on the boat but uh, I know I had to replace my refrigerator last year, and the mechanic came on with a couple of specialized tools, but it really was the knowledge he had that I needed. And, right. Uh, and the knowledge. Yeah, of, yeah. Yeah, so sewing is a, is a knowledge, a skill, and a knowledge base as, as refrigeration is. And, of course, if you have skills like programming, now with, uh, with the various uh, outsourcing c- companies, you can get gigs for that stuff mm-hmm. all the time. So. Sure, you can work from anywhere too, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean the uh, uh, it, it does surprise me uh, that even today, um, when it comes to sewing, and this is one of the reasons that we have been so successful at doing what we do, is that uh, it it is still not easy, no matter where you are, um, to recognize you have a problem, whether it's a rip in something, or whether it's you need a cover for something, or you need a you need sun protection and to find somebody to do it and to expect it to be done quickly. So, uh, I, I mean, the biggest advantage that we have is, is that uh, in this particular instance, if you can show somebody how to do something, you can provide the equipment to do it, and, um, uh, and you can make it possible for them to do it on their schedule. Uh, there's a lot of, there are a lot of benefits uh, to DIY canvas work, and if, if that issue exists... And we run it, and you go to a marina, and there are other customers or other other boaters who aren't going to jump into the into the uh, process of doing canvas work and the rest of that. It certainly makes sense that if they if they run into somebody who does do it and they have a problem they need to resolve quickly, and they they feel confident in the skills of the person that has the sewing machine, that they're going to be willing to hire them. Just like you said with the uh, with the refrigeration uh, uh, technician. Uh, it makes sense. Uh, they recognize this, they can recognize that there's a skill there. See what they've done on their own boats, and uh, and they can get something done quickly, which is what we're all we all seem to be looking for today. Is how do you get what you want, and how do you get it done fast? Uh, so uh, uh, DIY is a way to do that. All right, Matt. We've gone on about an hour, which is about the length I like to do my episodes. Do you have any other thoughts you want to add before we call it a, a podcast? Uh, no, I I, uh, I I really appreciate the fact that uh, you do these podcasts for your customers. I think it's uh, 
it's great uh, to be able to uh, give consumers uh, a little bit of a look inside uh, uh, what a, a company does, and we certainly appreciate the opportunity to answer whatever questions we can. So I just want to say thanks for what you do. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Uh, one other thing, I, I think I shared this with you. I got one of my Patreons. I've got, I think, five or six Patreons now on patreon.com, but he wrote me a note, and he gave me a link to his website. It was svperspective.com, which is the name of his boat, Sailing Vessel Perspective. And on the crew, he said things you don't – he himself, some interesting comments about himself. And then on his wife or partner, and I don't know what that is, she said she's a proud owner of a sailrite LSZ1-premium. I thought that was really funny to see that in a blog. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 we have a vo- we have a very vocal and loyal customer base, and I thank the Lord every day for that uh, group of customers, and uh, uh, we we love them and uh, and appreciate everything that they've helped us accomplish over the years. This has been a group effort. All right, thanks a lot, Matt. Let's keep in touch, okay? All right, Franz, and yeah, if you have any questions, watch for your boat here in the next couple. Uh, a couple of weeks to see what other content we get out there on it. And uh, if you have any other questions, you know how to find me. I will. Yeah, I, mar- I bookmarked right. it, and I'll check it out in a week or so and uh, and see how, how it's changed. Thanks a lot. All right. Talk to Sounds you later. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later, okay. Franz. Bye. Uh, bye-bye. I really enjoyed talking to Matt. This is the second time I've talked to him, and I always learn a lot. It's a great company. You can tell they are really geared for customer support, and they make great products. At the very least, get their catalogs. They're really fun to look through, and you'll get motivated to take on a project and probably buy one of their machines. Their machines are fantastic. If you like the podcast, please go into the iTunes directory or whatever podcast directory you subscribe to the podcast through and write a review. I really appreciate the people that take the time to write a review. If you want to sign up for the email list, you get eight of the 16 lessons, audio lessons, for the first series of audio lessons, the basic keelboat certification. I can't teach you to sail in an audio lesson, but I can teach you terminology and some of the basic maneuvers. You need to get on the water to learn how to sail. If you want to support the podcast, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, forward slash medsailor. And if you have any comments, suggestions for future episodes, write me, Franz1 at medsailor.com. Now get out there and go sailing. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. <laughs>